Welcome everyone. Welcome to the Matter of the Heart, where we bring you heartfelt, educational, and positive stories, all to elevate your spirit. I'm your host, Carol, and thank you always uh, for taking your time out to listen to the Matter of the Heart and check out the website, www.thematteroftheheart.com. The topic of uh, today's show is uh, mindfulness and the lockdown with a three-minute meditation. And it's an interesting concept because um, I was thinking about this, Paul, and and listeners, you know, sometimes the news, etc. We might not get into that mindfulness mode because we might be dwelling too much, you know, on, on, on things that really don't fit into... Uh, positive energy so I would think it's actually a very big challenge so uh, the expert on this is Paul Sugar and Paul Sugar is the founder and director of the Scottsdale Institute for Health and Medicine for Mindfulness and Paul Sugar has studied with John Kabat-Zinn who was the creator of the mindfulness stress reduction program MBSR, and Paul has mentored people all over the world for over 25 years and has taught 108-week mindfulness-based stress reduction programs. And uh, Paul also practices and teaches yoga, tai chi, and meditation for over 45 years. Welcome, Paul. Hi, Carol. It's always good to be with you. Thank you. The lockdown, how can people be directed more and more on your insight with mindfulness during these uh, unprecedented times, Paul? Well, yeah, the the lockdown, of course, is is a symptom Mm -hmm. um, of what's going on with COVID. Um, The COVID is, is really the problem but the lockdown is is accentuating that problem. It's it's actually making things worse. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we humans are social creatures, and um, when the opportunity to interact with each other is taken away from us, mm-hmm. it creates a whole host of problems. Mm-hmm. And lately, uh, I've been dealing with a lot of people who tell me that they're experiencing a degree of loneliness mm-hmm. they haven't ever experienced before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and of course, loneliness is just a, a tip of the iceberg. Uh, along with loneliness, they're also experiencing anxiety and fear and anger and frustration. So emotionally, emotionally, there's a whole host of things that are cascading mm-hmm. from, from the lockdown. It's, it's a terrible thing. And, and frankly, even if we didn't have the lockdown, um, we would still be having a challenging situation uh, just because COVID actually presents um, uh, a real threat to our survival mm-hmm. and you know we're hardwired um, to respond 
to a, th a threat to our survival by going into fight or flight. Now, most of the time, or a lot of the time, uh, people go into fight or flight based on uh, an imagined threat to their survival. Um, and so the imagination uh, can trigger that in many different ways. But when we come up against something that's real, like, like COVID-19, mm -hmm. where, where if you've got pre-existing conditions, uh, and even if you don't, uh, from what I understand, this can be a real threat to your survival. Many, many people, as we know, uh, are dying from this uh, terrible disease nowadays. And so, so what's happening really is uh, people are going into that fight or flight mode. Well, I guess to be more accurate, we would say fight, flight, or freeze. Mm -hmm. uh, I always abbreviate it. I get lazy. I just say fight or flight. But freeze, freeze is in there too. People are going into that that response, mm -hmm. and they're and they're getting stuck there. And even before COVID, um, research has been telling us that uh, for many many years we have had uh, the the inclination to get stuck in that fight or flight mode and not come out of it. And and this can stay with us for many, many years. I've worked with people who have been stuck in fight or flight for decades, 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Wow. And, you know, they didn't realize it. Right. Because, because our main coping mechanism mm -hmm. uh, that, we use, that we use when we go into fight or flight is our ability to disconnect from our bodies. Mm -hmm. And so stands the reason that, that if we're disconnected from our bodies right that we we won't know that we're disconnected it's like a catch-22 mm -hmm. and until until our body finds a way to communicate with us that there's something wrong mm -hmm. we're gonna we're right. gonna stay stuck in mm -hmm. that fight or flight mode and, and when the body <clears throat> when the body gets really desperate it communicates by what we call symptoms Mm -hmm. We start getting symptoms, either, either physical, mental, or emotional symptoms. Mm -hmm. And that should be a wake-up call. When we start getting symptoms, that's the body's plea uh, to pay attention and to take care of something that's going on. And in many cases, it's related to this phenomenon of being stuck in fight or flight. Mm -hmm. So I'm picking up from what you're saying and what I'm thinking is it's almost like a, a lot of unbalance with the emotions now. Yeah, emotions are a big deal now. Um, right. It's also affecting us physically and mentally. But for right. some reason, I, I find lately uh, people are focusing in on emotions more mm -hmm. and more uh, than ever. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's become a big issue. And Mm -hmm. And I notice, well, you know, all this, I mean, we see that the mental health uh, professionals are becoming overwhelmed, and that's another issue, too. Right. Not only are people getting overwhelmed, but the helpers are, are getting overwhelmed as well. And I, I work with a lot of those helpers. Mm -hmm. I know how overwhelmed they're getting. And uh, lately, I've been doing some work in the addiction community. And as you might guess, People who have addictions are getting much, much worse with their addictions as well. And 
you know, that's a physical <clears throat> issue, but it's also got a mental and emotional component to it as well. Mm -hmm. Yes, there's so much going on. All right, so then let's go back to the addiction issues. And how would you um, approach a person? How do you? How would you approach that person as far as connecting to mindfulness? Well, ideally, um, it's good to approach somebody. Well, it, it, there's, there's. Well, how can I say this? There's no recipe, right? You know that we can say, well, you just follow this sequence with each person, mm -hmm. and this is how, this is how you do it, right? really no recipe for that with mindfulness. So the best way to work with somebody who's got an addiction problem or any other problem for that matter is to meet them where they are in the moment. Okay. You know, just simply by talking to them, finding out where they're at mm -hmm. and, and what they are open uh, to doing in order to address their problem. Uh, through the practice of mindfulness, not everybody is willing to take that step mm -hmm. um, to to address um, whatever issue they have by coming to that practice. But but there are many people who are willing to take that step. And then once I'm able to talk with them, I'm able to find out what that first step is. And so it, it varies, you know, from person mm -hmm. to person. And for somebody who's teaching mindfulness, it helps to be able to uh, connect with that person just by talking and by finding what that uh, point of least resistance is in order to initiate. Yeah, the root of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, is there such a thing as maybe more of the root of it, <laughs> the, uh, the the cause? Um, well, <clears throat> well, that's an interesting question because... Um, uh, how can I say this? The causes can be very, very complicated. Okay. And, and in many cases, it's almost impossible mm -hmm. to find out to find out what the cause is. You know, where did this issue, where did this issue originate? Okay. And so, and so um, what we do with mindfulness is, frankly we don't really pay attention too much to causes. As I, as I mentioned before, we meet people where they are. Mm -hmm. And so we just start dealing with what's present for this person right now, mm -hmm. because the theory behind mindfulness is that everything that happened in the past is now present in your body. It's in every cell of your body. Mm -hmm. And if you address what's happening in the present moment, then by default, you're also addressing what happened in the past. And that way we don't have to spend time. I see. I know what you're saying. You know, you know, how did all this happen? Because it, it doesn't really matter. And, and in fact, you know, it sort of reminds me of a story that I read about. It's a quote from the Dalai Lama. Mm -hmm. Somebody once asked him, well, what about reincarnation and all of your past lives and and all of that stuff. And his answer was, you know what? That stuff is too complicated. I really don't pay attention to any of it. That's a great comment. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And, great. and so it is, you know, with, with our present lives, it's too complicated to figure out how we got to where we are. 
-hmm. And it's better just to deal with what's happening right now in the moment. Mm -hmm. And that's the best way really to access what happened in the past. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, um, how do you think what's going on? In other words, the news and... um... Well, actually, probably maybe the news, obviously, unfortunately, is creating more fears in people and more anxiety. Yes, for sure. Um, the media. Right. Uh, the media is, is of course, well, this is how the media makes money. Right. <laughs> right. Know, I, right. I, I, hate, I hate to say it, but right. this is how they sell their wares right. um, by, by generating as much fear as possible because you know, what happens is when somebody gets stuck in that fight or flight mode, mm-hmm. they also have a tendency to get used to the adrenaline bursts that are that are starting to happen um, in their in their in their bodies. And and after a while, and I've been reading a lot about this in in, in our friends the media lately, people are actually saying out loud, you know what, I think I'm addicted to my adrenaline. Oh. And so what we're what we're noticing and what we're actually seeing in research the last few years mm-hmm. is that people who are stuck in fight or flight are also having this phenomenon of getting addicted to their adrenaline. And some people think that adrenaline may be that gateway drug that leads to all of the other drugs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. That's yeah. very interesting. Um, now, with the advent of the... Uh, but, you know, vaccine, what would that do to the emotional aspect of people? Would that lessen the anxiety or would it be neutral? Hmm. Well, I, I think probably, well, probably the majority of the people would have less anxiety. <clears throat> and, you know, they're going to be getting reports about this through that our friends, the media, and, right. and frankly, you know, even though the media does excite people and and do their best to create fear in people, I can't really blame them because, you know, stress really has nothing to do with the events in our lives. It has to do with our rela- the relationship, our relationship mm-hmm. the in our lives. So if we're watching TV or, you know, we're on social media and so forth and so on, and we're getting bombarded by all of this information, mm-hmm. it's up to us to be able to stay in the moment, um, lessen our fear so that we can relate to, to these things without getting carried away by the fear. So I, I don't really blame the media so much as we need to take responsibility for the way that we relate to these things. Mm-hmm. So even if we're presented, um, if, even if we're presented by the media about all of this fear and stuff like that having to do with the COVID, we can we can take it in without going off the deep end. Right. Right. Yeah. But But yeah, once, once the, uh, I mean, the vaccines have, I think got approved today. Mm -hmm. And so for Mm -hmm. for a lot of people that is going to lessen their anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But then there also are an unknown number of people out there who don't want to take vaccines for a number number of different reasons. Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, the fact that the vaccines got approved for them mm-hmm. isn't going to really make any difference to them at all. They're going to still have to deal with the prospect of, 
of getting COVID um, because they're not going to be taking the vaccines. And then, of course, there are people who are worried that maybe the vaccines aren't safe. You know, they they haven't mm-hmm. been tested for a long enough period of time. Right. So, you know, our friends, once again, the media are going to have a big responsibility <clears throat> in presenting this mm-hmm. in a clear, concise and factual way to us so that we can weigh uh, the pros and cons right. of taking the vaccine. But uh, in and of itself, uh, a vaccine should be good news and and should help to lower the anxiety levels with with lots of people, which I'm sure it will. Mm-hmm. I love what you said, clear clear news, because um, I think that's so important, you know, uh, oh, yeah. for news to be clear as possible with the best wisdom of the knowledge of presenting to the public. You know, it's yeah. extremely, extremely important. And for the public um, to decide for themselves. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Their intuition, they've got, they don't always have to follow, you know, I'm not saying not to, but I'm just saying that we're getting addicted, we're getting addicted to the media with the COVID. There's no question about it. And so there's a big power thing with it, Yeah. you know, with the media, you know, because the media is the one who's broadcasting what's going on with you know, the pandemic, of course, and the vaccine and the masks, et cetera. So it's, it's, it's really the power structure that, yeah. you know? Yeah, <clears throat> it is. Uh, the media is really, and, and not just television, television, but of course, social media and, and, right. and all newspapers and all the different ways that the media communicates with us. They are in a very, very powerful position and they need to be responsible. Mm-hmm. Um, for for what they do, they need to be responsible in a way that they are completely committed to presenting facts. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people uh, just don't have the time or the inclination to do the research themselves. They'll just plug into the media and they'll just believe whatever is being told to them. Right. Yes. So not everybody has that ability for critical thinking. Right, 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 right. It's handed to them, handed, you know, yeah. uh, with uh, without using our creativity pool, you yes. know, yeah, for our sure. creative mind with this. Um, do you have any stories um, that you'd like to share with the listeners about mindfulness um, and the people who come into your into your into your uh, practice? Yeah, well, you mean as it relates to yes. COVID and so forth? Yes. Yeah. Um, well, let's see. I was invited recently um, to give a presentation to the Arizona um, Behavioral Health Association. And um, I, I shared the panel with a couple other people who, um, who I work with in the addiction community. And our subject... The subject of our talk was the um, the effects of mindfulness on uh, loneliness, uh, because in the behavioral health community, out of all of the different emotions that people are are having to deal with nowadays, it seems like loneliness mm-hmm. is perhaps um, the most intense right now, which which sort of you know, plays into 
the, the way our conversation really started tonight. And, you know, loneliness is, is a big deal. Um, and a lot of it <clears throat> is triggered uh, by that lockdown that you referred to right in the beginning of our talk. Um, it's bad enough that, that the COVID is a, is a true threat to our survival. Mm -hmm. But, but when, when we were locked down, it made things even worse. And into varying degrees, we're still in lockdown. It's just varying degrees. It's not as intense as it was in the spring. But people are still feeling disconnected from other people. <clears throat> and because of that, um, the loneliness aspect is really in the forefront. And the Arizona Behavioral Health Association recognized that. And so they came to us and asked us to address it. And so we spent about an hour uh, talking to them. And this, of course, was all done online. So, you know, it was very impressive that we were able to participate in something like that online. Right. And we were, we were able to, you know, explain how the loneliness comes about, you know, as a result really of being disconnected and being stuck in that fear mode and how mindfulness um, can turn that whole situation around by reconnecting through the practice of mindfulness. And, and, um, and it's interesting because uh, when we reconnect to our bodies, our body no longer feels that sense of loneliness. It's almost like a pet. You know, when, if we have, let's say a dog or a cat at home and, and we leave the house and leave them at home, they're not very happy. And, and it's the same thing with our bodies. When we, when we leave home, so to speak, from our bodies, we disconnect because of the stress. Right. Body, body's not happy either. Mm -hmm. it, feel, it feels threatened. You know, it feels like its survival is threatened. And so it throws out all of those, those symptoms of, of fear and anxiety and loneliness and frustration and anger and all of that stuff, along with the physical and mental stuff. But, you know, when we reconnect and the body feels good again, uh, it'll take us out of the fight or flight mode. Mm -hmm. And when all of those issues, other issues disappear, you know, the fear and the loneliness and stuff like that, we get back to our usual happy selves, you know, where there's no more any, uh, no more stress to have to deal with. And we're back into balance and we can enjoy life again. And so I found that to be a, a very interesting um, conference. And, and that actually just took place last week. Mm -hmm. So it's still fresh in my mind. And I know that the many people that attended the conference really appreciated um, what we were talking about with mindfulness and how mindfulness can really be the answer, an important and very powerful answer um, to the loneliness and all of the other issues that are that are coming up. Mm -hmm. I just thought, what about lo the lockdown and children? Yeah, well, let's see. Yeah, well, that complicates matters even more. Um, the children are stressed <laughs> as well. I mean, they're like, they're a little version of us. Right. But by being a little version of us, um, what we're finding is that they are suffering from the same exact things that we're suffering. Okay. They're, they're missing their friends. 
they're missing the connection to other people mm-hmm. and and they're also feeling lonely and disconnected they've got anxiety and they've got fear mm-hmm. and all of those other things and they're also you know they're also picking it up from from their parents right. you know when uh, the emotions are contagious mm-hmm. and when the parents are feeling it the kids pick up that the parents are feeling it. So it's not enough that it's, you know, it's bad enough that they have their own, you know, that the kids have their own um, discomfort, but then to pick it up from the parents, that makes matters even worse. And, mm-hmm. and so for, fortunately, you know, I'm, I have um, a, I work with a nonprofit organization called Inner Explorer, and we're in front of a million school kids at least a million school kids now with a with a audio program mm-hmm. of mindfulness practices, eight to ten minute mindfulness practices, and we've been busier than ever. All of the schools have contacted us, mm-hmm. and they're using these mm-hmm. eight to ten minute practices for the kids to help them address the loneliness and the stress and the anxiety and the fear mm-hmm. that they're experiencing during the lockdown and as a result of the COVID-19. Well, I think it would also enhance more their creativity. Oh, absolutely, yes. Um, You know, there have been a lot of studies with mindfulness and creativity. Yeah. And they they do have ways now of actually measuring the creativity. And all of the studies point to the fact that mindfulness stimulates Creativity. They they know the parts in the brain uh, that light up when creativity is is activated. Right. And they're able right. to actually see the parts in the brain light up mm-hmm. that correspond to creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. we so we know that when people are practicing mindfulness, they're also being much more creative. Now, nobody really knows where pure creativity comes from. Mm-hmm. So um, for now, all we know is cause and effect. We know that if we practice mindfulness, we will be uh, more creative. We don't necessarily know how all of that works yet right? because uh, we can't measure everything. But we know that it works because we see those parts of the brain uh, mm-hmm. lighting, lighting up um, when we're practicing mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still remember a quote by Carl Sandburg. Uh, listeners and Paul, uh, a poet, said that his uh, creativity became much more apparent to him when he was lonely. Oh, that's very interesting. Right? That's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes stress actually stimulates creativity uh, and it forces us sometimes to embrace the present moment and it drives us into that creativity. Right. But also, you know, the lack of stress, you know, that that feeling of peace um, is also a stimulant to creativity as well. Definitely. Uh, because it's the peace that really, you know, brings us into inspiration right. and creativity and stuff like that. So even though the, the stress may sometimes trigger that as well, and it brings us into our creativity, which then triggers that peaceful uh, kind of feeling um, mindfulness is still very, very instrumental in uh, participating in that creative process. Yeah, yeah. And also, for instance, an example, writers, you know, they can't exactly write when there's a lot of noise. You know, it's um, in a peaceful setting. 
Yeah, well, in, in fact, you know, you're asking me for stories. Here's another story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just had um, a researcher mm-hmm. um, in my eight-week mindfulness-based stress reduction program. And unbeknownst to me, she was experience, She had been experiencing writer's block for mm-hmm. months. And for a researcher, that's not a good thing because – uh, once the research is done, you have to write up all the research. And if you can't write it up because you've got a block then you've got problems. Mm-hmm. But what she said to me at the end of the program was more than anything else. And there were a lot of benefits that she experienced, but more than anything else, it got rid of her writer's block. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes well, that makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah. Release the stress. She became more peaceful within herself. Yeah. You know, she got to a higher vibration. She's more balanced. Yeah. Uh, more peaceful. That makes a lot of sense, which is great. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know? and, and you can see that there's there's a history of creative people who um, go into these present moment experiences, into these flow states. Right. A lot of them kind of stumble into the present moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't necessarily have a formal mindfulness practice. Mm-hmm. But my experience has been that the, the experience of the present moment, that ground of being, so mm-hmm. to speak, mm-hmm. is, is something that's natural within all of us. Mm-hmm. And, and really, mindfulness is more a process of getting rid of the stuff that we don't need so that the good stuff can bubble up to the surface. We don't, we don't have to develop creativity. We don't have to develop the ability to be inspired. We don't have to develop love and compassion and forgiveness and all of those attributes that we value so much. They're already there. They're just being covered up by the fear and all of those other things that get in the way. So once those other things are pushed to the side, then all of the good stuff is allowed to bubble up to the surface. And and we can see that with so many people who have written about these things for mm-hmm. thousands of mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. Well, I just thought of something, Paul, and this is when we're in a lonely state, like you're mentioning, Paul, loneliness in the COVID. It's also forcing us to be, maybe uh, think more who our gifts, or maybe we never thought of writing before or painting before or walking more. You know, I'm trying to see the positive as well, you know? Um, yeah. And all of those attributes are more in that state of mindfulness, you know, more more peace. Yeah, well, actually, I, you know, I've also been talking to a lot of people who tell me that they're taking advantage of what they see as an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for a lot of people, being alone is a real problem because they've never really um, learned how to be alone. But, and, but there are many people that I've been talking to who see this lockdown in this COVID situation as an opportunity to go inward mm-hmm. and to, to connect mm-hmm. more deeply with the body, to connect more deeply with the present moment, because they sense that this is an opportunity mm-hmm. to really connect with that peace of mind to the health and wellness that comes from being connected to the body and to the present moment. <clears throat> to, uh, to become more spiritual with, within themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. And lots and lots of people mm-hmm. um, are, are seeing this opportunity and they're taking advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's very interesting. Trying yeah. to, you know, the positive, you know, what could come out of it as well. 
Well, what could come out of this as well, Paul, and listeners, you know, emotionally and spiritually, and what, of course, Paul is talking about mindfulness. What can it elevate anything? Can it elevate our spirits more? Can it elevate? Oh, yeah. You know? Sure, sure. You know, for, for people, I'm sure a lot of people, a lot of listeners have heard the term, the dark night of the soul. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, St. John went through through that experience. And, you know, there's a school of thought out there mm-hmm. uh, that feels like in order for us to really connect with our better selves, a lot of times we need to go through some kind of crisis. Mm-hmm, and it's that, it's that dark night of the soul, mm-hmm. going through that dark night of the soul, that crisis right. that brings us to the door of opportunity. Mm-hmm. And, and I kind of see this COVID situation as a worldwide dark night of the soul. Mm-hmm. And for, for those people who are willing and able to take advantage of that and to see it as an opportunity, I think that many, many people are going to benefit from this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, I thought of a tree, um, you know, a sturdy tree will become stronger through many storms you know, um, as compared to um, nothing going on with that tree. You know what I mean? Like the human being, the human being, you know, the sturdiness of the human being, the soul, the spirit, the heart, the mind, the spirit. Um, How we maybe will become stronger? I think, well, I I think we will. You know, I'm very optimistic about Mm -hmm. about this. Mm -hmm. And I I think that uh, many, many people uh, will become stronger because they they took this COVID situation as an opportunity mm-hmm. uh, rather rather than as a slap in the face, they were able to gather up their strength, go inward, mm-hmm. and and take advantage of it, and and really connect and do maybe do something, start something that they've been putting off for, mm-hmm. for many many mm-hmm. many years. Mm-hmm. Become exactly. Or, or what was given to them at birth, you know, their mission, yeah. uh, you know, or their goal. And especially I'm thinking more and more on creativity because a lot of times creativity can be squashed. Yeah. Um, so it, it's also time to get into uh, whatever the heart desires. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a perfect time to to find out exactly what our hearts desire. Mm-hmm. Paul, mm-hmm. we have a few. Would you like to give us a... Uh, a meditation. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, would you like, a, let's say, a three-minute meditation? Yes, that would be great, Paul. Whatever you want. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Um, so let's let's start by bringing our attention to our posture, and if you're sitting, and it doesn't necessarily have to be done sitting. It could be done standing, or this this particular exercise can also be done walking. Um, And so bringing our attention to whatever posture we're in, connecting to the body and um, noticing what's going on in the body as we we embody that sense of alert attention and self-acceptance. We want to accept who we are in this moment, accept whatever experience is coming to us, whether it's comfortable, uncomfortable, or neutral, just opening up to whatever experience is present in our bodies, uh, sort of moving the attention around the body to the different parts, noticing what's present, maybe noticing any thoughts or emotions. 
just staying with that connection, having the willingness to be present, whether it's comfortable, uncomfortable, or neutral. Just staying with that experience, noticing when the attention wanders off, that's an opportunity also. Uh, and just bringing it back to the body. Every time the attention wanders and you bring it back, you're strengthening the mindfulness muscle. So that's a good thing. And now shifting the attention to the breath as we breathe in and out through the nose and noticing the movement of the lower abdomen, that area below the belly button, noticing how it moves with the cycle of breathing. On the in-breath, the belly expands, and on the out-breath, it falls back down again. And staying with the breath, fully experiencing breathing, breathing in and out through the nose, staying with the movement of the belly, once again, noticing when the attention wanders, where does it go to? And then bringing it back to the breath. And if it's helpful every once in a while, you can say to yourself silently, breathing. Because the attention tends to go exactly where you say it should go. Breathing. Staying with the breath. And now, expanding the field of attention to include a sense of the entire body. So this is a different way of using the attention rather than focusing on a specific uh, small point. We're going to expand it so that the entire body is included in the field of attention. And at the same time, we're going to merge it with that sense of the breath. And so everybody's going to approach this in a little bit of a different way. This is where you can use your creativity and imagination. Sensing the breath throughout the entire body. Connecting breath and body by using our ability to pay attention. Fully present with whatever's happening in this moment, right now. Staying with the breath and staying with the body. I call it breathing the body. We're breathing the body. Maybe on the in-breath, imagining the entire body expanding, and then on the out-breath, the entire body contracting. Just back and forth, feeling the rhythm of the breath throughout the entire body. And now, Opening the eyes, continuing with this practice of combining the breath and the body together. And then taking that into our everyday experience. I like to finish each meditation with our eyes open so that it helps to build that bridge between our formal meditation practice and bringing that same skill set into our everyday activity. That way we can be present 24-7. And there we have it. Thank you so much, Paul. Thank you very, very much. You're welcome. And you've been listening to Paul Sugar, and he is the founder and director of the Scottsdale Institute for Health and Medicine for Mindfulness. And you can see, in the, as he's 
spoken so eloquently and down to earth that so, so many um, pluses, positive energy with mindfulness that we can use on every day. And uh, we certainly have been delving into the emotional aspects and how it can help the emotions such as anxiety and fear, uh, which we we a lot of us are experiencing. But in the positive way, as Paul was saying, where we might be alone, but to use it in a creative way and uh, become exactly who we are, to use it as a opportunity for our self-growth and our self-empowerment. Thank you, Paul. You're very welcome, Carol. And you've been listening to The Matter of the Heart, and I've been your host, Carol. Check out the website, www.thematteroftheheart.com, where Paul Sugar has so many of his shows on. Thanks for listening.